0: Butts. What's uh, going can, on with you? What? What? You're a mess. What, because I said butts? Yeah, it, precisely because you said you butts. You said Butts.
1: 29th 2012 and join us at pax for idle thumbs podcast live rising a tribute to fallen astronaut neil armstrong friday august 31st at ten thirty a.m in the pegasus theater at the sheridan hotel third floor in seattle this is idle thumbs 72 and i'm chris reno i'm jake rodgan and i'm sean vanneman
2: hey chris hey sean hey jake oh hi jake and i are going to seattle
1: <laughs> on I'm also Thursday. Going to seattle weird for the same reason you are Really? Mm-hmm. It's probably to go to the Idle Thumbs live show Friday at ten thirty in the Pegasus Theater. Is Where? this the one that's the tribute to Fallen Astronaut Neil Armstrong? That was rumored in the dateline, but it's not confirmed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm really excited for the panel. Oh
2: it
0: just came in, that's totally false. Oh. We've three different moods for the panel. I'm excited, Jake is optimistic, and Chris is terrified. Mm-hmm. I think that's an accurate assessment. Yeah. But
2: No, it'll be good. No. But we are in a room that is probably several times bigger than we have any right being in, so... It's the biggest room I've ever been in. Yeah, well, it's actually the biggest room. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, that room... That exists.
1: You can't actually see to the end of it because of... Well, you think it's because of the atmospheric haze, but it's also just the curvature of the earth. Oh, my goodness, It's also
2: a sensory deprivation chamber, Um, so it's going to be really hard for you to hear
0: us. But being well, deprived of your senses will be a personal psychedelic journey of the
1: mind. Well, whenever one yeah, yeah, first yeah. gets in there and it's probably is really, about video games, whenever one gets in there and it's really quiet, it's going to be really awkward because you're just going to hear like every little shuffle and fart. But then when Chris starts playing that guitar, Oh, that's sick. Acts, yeah. That's going to be rad. That so, will be rad.
0: Cool. Well, yeah. uh, yeah, please, please do bring your friends. If yep. not for the architectural wonder that is this room. <laughs> yes. For a live, to hear some podcast. five idiots
2: talk about video games.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of five idiots. now Nick, Nick and Steve will be there. Yeah. Um, Two idiots to add to our three making five, and, uh, which is really exciting because we haven't seen them in a long time. Oh, and some
1: of us saw them at QuakeCon. Ooh. Yeah, Just, Sean. At the Addle Thumbs Live QuakeCon panel, available on our Twitch TV channel. In Dallas, <laughs> Texas, USA.
2: Yeah, please also attend our, our QuakeCon Space. panel <laughs> if yeah. you have the ability to uh, travel through time. It'll be fun in the past.
0: It'll be fine. Anyway, go to Did Pies. Steve talk at all at the QuakeCon panel about his game that he's working on? Uh, i don't think so no nope. oh man i'm gonna play it super soon it's cool probably the next two days um
2: actually speaking of people we know making games that are cool uh brendan chung our buddy who makes 30 flights of loving has published 30 flights of loving and you can buy it on steam right now for i think 450 or maybe it's five four
0: dollars and 49 cents it might that might be yeah. over now it might be five bucks It's 49 today well, by the time you hear this, it might not be. But anyway, it's, it it's might be like eight dollars. It 5
2: dollars or less than all, that on yeah, Steam. It's really good. It's
1: really really cool, and the music's not awful. Uh, the music's pretty uh, so. good. Also, um, for the Steam release, <clears throat> it now includes Gravity Bone, which used to be a separate, just straight download from his game. So that basically adds Gravity Bone to your Steam library, and he put a bunch of commentary stuff in. Uh, so you can turn on commentary mode, and there's little nodes that pop he up didn't, text he windows. He did that for Gravity Bone, did he? No, no Thirty okay, Flights yeah, of Loving yeah. has commentary yeah. and has Gravity Bone bundled in. But that's also notable because if you bought or if you backed the Kickstarter and got Thirty Flights of Loving, your copy also updated to include all that stuff along with your exclusive Gold Bloom mode. Yep. So everyone's all set. So there's a there's a ton of stuff in that game now, which is really cool.
2: And he's also bringing, I think he's bringing his new game Quadrilateral Cowboy two packs. Yep. And I.
1: So presumably, people will be able to play it, right? It seems like... I was asking Jake that today. It's part of... Brendan is listed as part of the whatever it's called. The Indie Indie Mega 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 Booth. Booth? The name Indie Mega Booth makes me sad, but the fact that there is just... Cool deems in it. The back like third of the expo floor is just 10 by 10 booths filled with indie developers, and that sounds awesome. It's really cool. Um, But the game that's listed uh, on the Indie Mega Booth site for Blendo is quadrilateral quadrilateral cowboy, which yeah. I am really excited about. Have you guys played it yet? Yeah. Just touched it, just touch the beginning of it. It's cool. Oh man. Yeah. It's
0: rad. It yeah. is.
1: We can talk about that yeah. maybe actually at I'd PAX. love to talk about okay. that at the panel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Really yeah.
0: awesome. Yeah. And see if Steve wants to t- I'd like that if Steve is down to yeah. talk about Gone Home. We might be talking about that. If Steve's yeah. uh, ready to do that. It's a really another game I think we're super duper duper excited yep. about. Not just because Steve's we're
1: super there. excited about only the games our friends make. I, and not <laughs> just because Steve's our pal.
0: No, these I yeah. played both of
2: these like the latest builds of both of these games today, and they were both legitimately exciting to me. Like I'm really happy, like proud to know these guys. Yeah, so it's cool. Same, uh, cool. So that's our just endless uh, pitching of us and our buddies.
0: Also, if you see myself or Chris. We'll try to get Jake over there. I don't know if you'd even want to. At The International, come say hi. Because I'll be really stoked to be... Yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to have to go to We that should
1: part. actually... Since we're in the plug segment of the uh, Idle Thumbs podcast... <clears throat> sorry, of, of Idle Thumbs. Uh, we should also mention that at PAX, just during the show, Chris will be very likely at the Double Fine booth on the floor for most of the show. Sean and I will be in and out of the Telltale booth. And Sean, you're also on another panel. I am. Uh, I'm on a panel. I think it's at... <clears throat>
0: 2.30 on Friday. Any panel I'm on is on Friday. But I'm on a panel um, hosted by PC Gamer and Evan Lottie talking about just story in games with a motley crew that I'm really excited about. Um, it's Evan, myself, Notch, uh, which is really cool, and uh, Dean Rocket Hall, the creator of DayZ, and then I think a gentleman from Bioware who I don't know. So you're by on a name. weird panel. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I'm really because I've actually been walking around in my head for like a week thinking about what my thoughts on story vis-a-vis their games. And it's so different than the type of stuff that you and I make uh, at Telltale. And I'm really excited to actually just be at that panel, if that makes sense, even though I'm up there. (laughs) Like I'm really like I'm excited to be able to like ask a bunch of questions, which will probably just drive Evan nuts. But and I'm really looking forward to that one. So, but your only twist, weird PC gamers, only allowing people who came to the Idle Thumbs panel to get into that one. So, so you if have you to, want to come go to a panel yeah. with Sean mm, yeah. and Notch. You'll, you'll, be go to that special, special, you'll be getting a special. You'll be a special wristband mm-hmm. um, that will allow you entrance into the PC gamer panel with Notch, myself, Dean Rocket Hall, and I believe a gentleman from Bioware.
1: It's actually worth pointing out right now that this episode, um, we all have a really crazy week. Like we're going to PAX. We're working on some Idle Thumbs web stuff. So this episode is probably a little funky. If for some weird reason this is your first time listening to Idle Thumbs, go back and maybe listen to last week's. Yeah, this one's going to be... This is going to be us talking about what we're doing this week, probably a little bit of video games, and a lot of reader mail. So it's going to be a little funky. It'll probably be a short one, too.
0: Yeah. Or it won't.
1: (coughs) I guess there's no point uh,
2: saying that because you can know you
0: can look at the file right now. So pretend that it's... It's also probably called episode 72, a weird one, or something like that. Or look at this file right now.
2: But now, now that we said that, <laughs> that doesn't God, okay, go. Say
0: oh, of the, inter- I saying, speaking of the international... Oh, speaking I mean, of the international... A real game. We, I, what did you think of the Dota stuff that I just showed you? I just showed Jake the sort of like... The, <laughs> what, what did just you show Jake the Dota, Dota stuff, the stuff that, that is? is the, I'm you? Well, I'm, I was trying to have a conversation that I realized oh. that nobody would know what I was oh, talking about. Oh, it was about. interesting. Oh, good. Okay, next
2: question. Yeah, so Sean loaded up the Dota 2 <sighs> client, which has been, I guess, updated with new UI... And it was really crazy. I had not seen any of this stuff until you showed it to me. And it's funny because, I, you know, I've loaded up Dota 2 a few times and played it with you, you know, a couple times and myself a couple times. And I've never been a huge, huge fan of the, of the main screen it's UI. It's changed a couple times, but it's never been super sweet. But the stuff you showed us today is awesome. And, like, that's a cool thing about a game being in beta that's legitimately in beta and not just kind of stress test and then release like they're obviously improving that stuff and it's really cool right
1: from from when dota like when the dota 2 beta first showed up to now at least the front end stuff has gone Mm -hmm. leaps and bounds it's insane
2: and the the most impressive thing was that you and i had no idea this existed but you loaded up uh just i guess because i haven't run the client in the last week or whenever and you loaded up the preliminaries for the international which is the big dota 2 tournament that valve was running uh concurrent with pax this weekend and we were able to just jump into those matches as spectators in real time and move the camera around, jump from player to player, turn on one of multiple different commentary tracks in different languages. Yeah. Uh, like you can you look can, at a, a whole different range of real time stats. It was amazing. You can also, really like, crazy. if you
1: want, you can limit the fog of war that you're seeing to just one team or the other, so you can sort of sim simulate yeah, yeah, being yeah. on one team. Or going on or a particular
2: player's view, yeah, or the or one of the commentators. You can you can simulate. Yeah, there's what an
1: auto directed camera that tries mm-hmm. to find interesting stuff. Or yeah, you can track yeah. the actual camera movements of whoever is commentating that you're listening to. Or so, for no reason at all, you can listen to the Eastern European right. commentator while watching the North American commentator's mouse movements, yeah. just to really yeah. make it horrible. And it's it's interesting
2: because I I spent a long time. Uh, Nick and I both uh, got really, really into uh, Pro Starcraft 2 matches. And we, I mean, I think Nick might still watch some of that stuff. I'm not sure. I've I've been out of it for a while now. But um, I love just watching the streams of, you know, a Pro Starcraft 2 match with the commentator controlling the camera and just showing everything. And it's just a straight up video feed. And I love that you can do that within the Dota 2 client. But then if you want to also just quickly take a peek at something else. You can do that because it's just the actual game that is that is running in your own client. Yeah, it's great locally. that it has so the full can, sort
1: of directed literal thing that would be streamed out, on, right. As well but as you, everything but else, but you can bust
2: out of it, yeah, uh, and and just look at a little. It's just the whole thing's really impressive. It's really great. And you Dota can, two, you, you can, can bust watch these, out of it. <laughs> while, you can watch these while the matchmaking is trying to find you a game. Um, it's just a really, it's just really well thought through and really. Yeah, impressive. that
1: queue stuff was super impressive. Of just oh, you're waiting five minutes to join a server. Okay, just go watch pro players play for a while. Like what? That was amazing. Yeah. Before it was especially line. amazing for those of us who've been playing Man vs. Machine and <laughs> Team, Team Fortress 2 uh for the last week or so. Because <clears throat> despite the fact that Man vs. Machine is clearly um a lot of the a lot of the systems in it are clearly influenced by by Dota and by modern free of play stuff, the infrastructure underpinning it is not. It's really sad. Um I'm sure like my expectation is that it will probably get there. Like once Dota goes 1.0, it would not be surprising if that team rolled back in and did yeah, yeah. the Team Fortress stuff because um, Team Fortress 2. When Team Fortress 2 first came out, it was an orange box game, so it had a menu system that was cribbed from the original Half Life 2, which is like archaic. It's effectively the Half Life 1 main mm-hmm. menu system. And then at one point, when Team Fortress like when it started including all the, um, the stuff. all the manco stuff, all the in in game purchasing and all that stuff. They overhauled the entire UI system, I think, around the time of Left 4 Dead 2. And my expectation, or maybe a little after that...
0: Yeah, it was around then. It was because we were working on booking I. My
1: feeling on that is probably that Team Fortress 2 was a testbed for all the stuff that the Dota team then used as the very beginning of the testbed for their stuff to, that used all the, the... The item purchases. All the, all the inline mm-hmm. Steam integration. And then they've now jumped ahead of that. But, oh my god... It's really sad and frustrating to be playing a game from the same studio, but from clearly a different team trying to do the same thing. Where like, I mean, oh, you want to play Man versus Machine? Do nothing for <laughs> ten minutes. I
2: think it just reflect. You were saying earlier, you know, you or I think Sean maybe was saying why why is why are these from the same company, and yet one of them is so far ahead of the other? And I think it's, it's totally a matter just different of priority. Well, it's different people, but I think it's it's more specifically just a matter of priority. I think that oh, yeah. Valve knows that in order to like the. The team fortress, the space that team fortress 2 competes in is not actually very competitive. As, uh, there, there there's not tons of other games that really specifically aim to and achieve the same thing that TF2 does, where there are many games that are very successful that are all operating within the same Dota, within the same Lord's Management sphere as Dota 2. And so, and they know that one of the key things there is being sort of the canonical professional version yep. of that paradigm and i i it, it, it was well f- oh, go ahead oh i was just gonna say whereas tf2 is like the opposite of that like right i mean I, is there even a pro tf2 scene at all i don't even think
1: there is much of one to there's talk about, to more about. than not one but there's yeah. not nothing yeah, to the it, same it, degree Right. it, it doesn't be, seem like it has a lot of yeah mind no share like the, no yeah. but it was funny looking at the dota 2 ui just as someone who's designed a lot of game front ends at this point which is weird but um that game basically just has i think every game u i designer's wish list active inside of it, where it's like. It's got the pixel precise, just super crisp looking stuff. But then at the same time, you're like, oh, and then I can learn about my characters. ba doop doop. Inline YouTube players of all these things. Yeah. Oh, and then let's just see what this character model looks like. Spinning the guy around. Like at the same time as the YouTube's <laughs> right. playing. At the same time as the asynchronous, you're waiting in the lobby thing is ticking off in the background. At the same time as you can go over. Like it was it was crazy to look at all that stuff.
2: But it didn't feel overly like the way describing that it sounds chaotic. No, but, but the thing about it was way. it was
1: all just it's all very clean and professional. It's I I imagine looking at it a lot of. Of game UI designers are going to look at the current state of the Dota 2 stuff and just go, "This is the thing that I always ask for, but no one ever actually cares enough to make." So yeah. it's it's like at Valve, someone cared enough to make it, and they made it's it, awesome, which is yeah. the upside of Valve insanity. Right. Is if someone does actually say, "This is what we're going to do," and mm-hmm. I'm going to dedicate my life to this for a year, it'll probably actually ship and yeah. not get undercut by weird prioritization stuff. Right. Although, also as you said. For Dota 2, it probably is a high priority that all that stuff is there because your game is just now super sick from a like from that aspect compared yeah, to the other. I mean it makes
2: it super attractive to the core the exact core people you want to yep. attract to your game.
1: Yep. It is really cool. It was really impressive. I still don't really care about the international, but I'm <laughs> glad you're going. I'm happy for you. Thanks. hmm Speaking of men versus machine, you seem to have changed your <laughs> opinions about it or not. I don't know. I it still like you did. I still don't enjoy it as much as straight TF2 by any means but uh-huh. we played a few rounds at work and I played um I played one actual match finally all the way through of man up mode which is the there's one thing to say about man versus machine that is both kind of annoying and I'm also kind of okay with is it has a fully free to play mode where I believe you play for for every map you play through 7 waves of guys but then if you pay 99 cents um per sort of match type you end up going on a valve hosted server where there is a, an additional eighth round that has a drop um which ups the difficulty more um but anyway have mixed feelings on that because it's a little bit weird from a, the just free-to-play monetization bar standpoint but actually playing a few rounds all the way through with people who had been on it not on launch day not after waiting in line for an hour and stuff yeah actual strategy started to show up which was sort of a thing that i was feeling weird about when i first was playing it yeah. during mm-hmm. launch weekend we
0: had we had a full crew six of us at telltale yeah, yeah.
1: Was, and it was super fun actually yeah. it's cool but yeah. the
0: thing is is like had we not just said to hell with it we're just gonna host our own right here in the office because we it would have been a miserable it experience, would have been absolutely miserable like i got booted in between rounds we were already two rounds in couldn't get back in it's yeah. just like you can't join ad hoc in the middle of a round you're done and i was like I got booted. Like the game crashed. Oh no, the game didn't crash. You accidentally keybound oh, F4 to quit. <laughs> F4 is also the F4 I'm is ready, ready for button. new round button. So
1: we were like, why does Sean keep dropping when he's marking himself ready to play? Yeah. Um, that was bad.
0: Oh man, that's
2: like that's like the guy who in chat it's like oh really cool thing happens if you alt f4 you get a sparkle well the thing is someone joked
1: about that then sean's like, okay i'm ready f4 and he quit and we're like did you just press alt f4 are you kidding me we're like no i didn't we're like sure you didn't and then you came back well, and I did it I again like, yeah. and you're like are you kidding me is your alt key stuck down <laughs> yeah.
0: what is this i instantly went to my key binds i went oh, oh jesus Christ. Oh.
1: <laughs> but yeah
0: but, but we we hosted our own in the office and it was really fun i mean I, oh, I play medic a lot and it's a really fun match it's a really fun match type to
1: play medic in because you can, it feels like you're helping so much. When you're the medic who has the critskrieg, which is instead of healing people, it just gives them a ton of crits, yeah, uh, the
0: critical hits if you um, when you activate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, it's robot decimation, by it's, which I mean they're reduced yeah. by one tenth. <laughs> nice trick. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's. everywhere will be. <laughs> it's been it's been really fun playing on servers now that people are knowing what's going on. I guess is all I'm saying, and I've been playing more of it. I've been killing a lot of goddamn robots. Good I love job. robots. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I love killing robots. I hate robots. <laughs> Everyone's robot Man vs. Machine. machine. My robot. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have more to say about it, but it's not coming to me right now. So I'm done talking about Man versus Machine. That's fine. Everyone should play it, though. I'm still playing FTL.
2: <laughs> I swear to God, it's it's so funny. I realize I'm in the same mode with FTL that I was with Binding of Isaac for the last like, three months Is this of happening? 2011. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, ha- I've, you know, what's funny is I really have, I've played almost no Binding of Isaac in 2012. Mm-hmm. Even though I played that game more than a- any other game, by that probably the factor of at least two yeah. or three last year. You know, probably Skyrim being a runner-up, but probably a distant mm-hmm. runner-up. Um, and then I just, I, I just kind of, it was like right when the new year hit. It wasn't deliberate or anything, but I just kind of oh, you, you gave know, it up. Just, I never thought about it though. Yeah, you know, know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't conscious. I just was realized. it that you moved. It well, actually it was that I moved. Yeah,
0: it's funny how one life thing changes, and then which makes me just feel like when you're playing games like that, it is it goes beyond like, oh, I'm really excited to keep going in this game because there's more to see, and goes into this weird place of just sort of it's, my life has it's that organized itself into yeah habituation yeah, and compulsion yeah, combined yeah. to just make you at nine seventeen every night you mm-hmm, see yourself yep. picking up a controller to play two hours of this game. Yep, and one thing changes. You know, you yeah. get a cold.
2: Well, the, you know. inter- the interesting thing about and and I, I think the reason, at least for me, that it works so well with games like Binding of Isaac or FTL, which are they're ran- they're games that are where the the fine points, the order of things are randomly generated, but you know, obviously within uh, rule sets that that you get to know. Right. So it's like I Binding of Isaac is a lot more unpredictable than FTL because it's deliberately so. I mean, you could start that game and be totally fucked right from square one or just be godlike right at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's FTL's not quite that extreme, but there's you still get in this sense of getting to internalize the average kind of arc of what one of those games right. is. But you know what? what?
0: Sorry, I'm, okay. I'm derailing you, but the fact that Binding of Isaac has such a wide... I was thinking about this last mm-hmm. week, and I didn't say It has such a wide disparity between sort of, like, how powerful you are at the end of the first level, just based on the object drops and things like this Mm -hmm. is part of what it makes it such a compelling game. Oh, absolutely. It's like, it's like, for sure. I hate to compare it, but it's like gambling. It's like going on a sick run of craps where you're like, it just kind of happens and you're like, I'm here and it's, Oh my God, look, I got all this stuff. How far can I go now? You know, like, and that part being outside of your control married so delicately with the gameplay systems that are obviously inside of your control makes that game just a force if it gets its hooks into you. No, totally.
2: Did you read, did you guys read the article about the, uh, I I, I think it was on the Gamological society where someone interpreted binding of Isaac as, uh, portraying a deist perspective in which, uh, the, the notion of a God who sets the world in motion and then is hands off, which isn't, I don't think that's intrinsic to deism, but it was the general, the, the, the general kind of shorthand the guy used for this, view of a, of a creator who sets the sort of physics of the world in motion and then steps away and lets the world play out. Um, and it was, you know, kind of in contrast to games that are very, very heavily guided by a designer where, you know, there's just uh, trigger volumes everywhere and everything, scripted moments and everything, you're very corralled along a path. And and uh, it was a really interesting perspective, I thought, and and especially since the game obviously exists within a very overtly religious context mm-hmm. you know it it, it it was a particularly appropriate game to to look at through that lens mm-hmm. i thought that was really interesting but then and i agreed with it when i read it but then the more i thought about it the more i my opinion has changed or it, like over the course of a few days my opinion changed um i still think that fundamentally the game the game itself is a great demonstrator of a particular game design mentality which is that one which is one that i i think all of us have a certain amount of affinity for i mean um uh, sean i know you were talking about this recently the notion of you know just being put into a place and having just the systems coalesce to to create something you know really really great um and i think i think that's something that we've all responded to on this podcast for sure but what's what's the more i thought about it the more i realized that it's not actually what that game is about ultimately like that's the framework in which the game is designed and built. But what the game's actually about is kind of the opposite about of, of that. It's about like an old Testament God who is all up in your face, who is very much arbitrarily deciding who to be bestowed with grace and who just to be completely condemned. And like the, the whole, that's what all that shit is. Like when you were saying, you know, you get to the end of level one and the disparity between whether you're just crippled or you've cut, you're just, you're just set. You've just got infinite money and your guy is incredibly powerful. I mean, to me, the game, the things that happen are so extreme that they kind of go beyond the traditional, here's a system, let it just go. And it ends up kind right. of actually simulating the kind of Job-like, you know, yeah, yeah, just know. just yeah. here is a god who is just – he is just calling the shots in an yeah. extreme way.
0: Well, he chose the idea of being chosen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. No. Yeah, it's a really – I think that's a really accurate – reading because I as you were describing describing the article that I haven't read, I found myself taking like issue with the yeah, same yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing, yeah Where I said because it doesn't there isn't really like a sort of the hand coming off the the arc like the world is essentially the catalyzing event you know mm-hmm. for that world, mm-hmm. and I don't think I would argue that the binding of Isaac doesn't have a catalyzing event like that other than the fact that. I guess you could say it's already pre-rolled all the levels you're about to run through. Yeah, there's a seed that... Yeah, that, yeah. it doesn't... You but know but the mean. things
2: that happen are... are They, even though they are totally... Even though the, you know, as I say, like, the article is accurate in the sense that it describes the way that Edmund McMillan built the game. In the sense of, like, if you're looking at the designer as a metaphor for a deity, then sure, that's accurate. But the what he did with that rule set... Is not that right? Like he he made a war, like the okay. So, I'm gonna say it. But if you look at a game like Far Cry Two or like Day, you know like DayZ to take a more recent example from for for us or um you know any any kind of really open world systemic game the the random things that happen in those games like, are so much more subtle. Like you know like, I don't know like some kind of. Um grenade rolling down a hill. Oh, say. like an
0: incendiary device that's able to gravity. Yeah, that, gravity it, and that, uh, yeah, comes, that
2: yeah. position on an inclined plane, which is then affected um, by gravitational force. I wonder what would happen if when that happens.
1: It would probably like be pulled a, in a downward uh, motion. Like tiny uh, imperfections uh, while, in the skin.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, some call it chaos theory. Uh, but, you know, th- those things that happen, like the thing that we always talk about on the podcast <laughs> is a bunch of <laughs> individually insignificant things Snowballing into right. an aggregate, very significant thing, and that's the way. That's actually the way that life works most of the time. Right. There are crazy things like a big tornado that just ruins everything. I mean, there are big things in life, obviously.
1: We call but, those scripted events. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, CS they are. I mean, they yeah, are actually Hurricane called Isaac. acts of God in a lot of legal language. Yeah. Um, but you know, generally speaking, the bulk of what makes up most of our lives are things that are that are on their face fairly insignificant, but they combine with other things in our lives in ways that our life ends up being a very dramatic series of, of events and and crazy things. Um, but in binding, binding, Isaac, Isaac is not like that at all. No, no, it's no, like every all. individual thing that happens is like a tragedy or an incredible blessing or, right. I mean, it's like just catastrophe. Right. Um, and so it's, it's interesting. And that's a model that, uh, it doesn't. You don't actually see it very often. No. You know, usually things that are really significant like that are scripted things in right. most games. Finding
1: yeah, yeah. wise is kind of weird in that respect. Right. Yeah. The last time I saw you playing, you just walked into a room and got ninety-nine <laughs> keys, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> yeah. you can open any door basically for fucking ever." Like, yep. What? Yep. Yeah. That never happened to me before. Actually,
2: yeah. I'm gonna share my a little. Actually, I, I don't know how this has been affected post expansion, which I've played almost none of because it happened again. After.
0: I'm not playing any of the expansion content. Yeah, but the game might have updated. But yeah.
2: there's a there's a here's a little just trick. This isn't really thematically
0: appropriate, I don't think. Maybe it is, but uh, if you... Oh, is this, is this part of the, the the cheat code moment that we're going to start doing as a regular feature? Yeah, oh, oh cheats from the punks, video game pros? Uh, tips and tricks? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, good. Um, I'm glad that we, I'm glad we're actually going forward with that. If you play
2: as... Once you've unlocked... You know, you unlock characters in that game when you do I'm afraid things. to play with
1: other characters. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't... know. Well, well, no for the, 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 the tips and tricks segment, we should have a little... A <laughs> little, like... A little sort of low-key beat. you do that the whole time? No. Okay. Um... I
2: (laughs) – there's a a – see, this is the thing. It's been like six or more months since I've played – nine months since I've played this game. So I can't even remember the names of the characters. But I think it's Kane. It might be Kane. One of the characters has higher luck than the others and he has lower other things. But his luck is really high. And I would always play with that character because I realized if you have the character with higher luck – what you do is you find a um, – one of the casino rooms mm-hmm. and the casino rooms have three things in them. They right. have the guy in the middle of the room where you give him a penny a penny, and he gives – he chooses a thing and it's –
0: He's basically – he's a he's a homeless guy. He's like he's – isn't that – oh, no, no, no. Am I wrong? He's like a little baby or kid or he's something. He's a baby who's like, just like, like needs money for – like he's just got a little sign that says money on it. Yeah, so you assume yeah. that he's like begging. Yeah. yeah. And
2: like most of the time, two-thirds of the time, you'll just – a little fly will come out and then one-third of the time – You'll get like a key or two, two coins or a heart or whatever. Um, and then also in the room, there's a vending machine, which you put money in and, and then it just gives you nothing or something.
0: Oh, but and, that's – I mean that's actually a slot machine. A slot machine. Yeah, yeah.
2: Sorry, a slot machine, not a vending machine. And then there's also in the room, there's a machine where when you activate it, it takes away a half of a heart or a full heart if you're lower in the thing mm-hmm. and gives you money in return. So there's those three things. So what you do is you take the character with high luck, and you go in there and you just, well, this works as long as you have around 20 coins or more. Um, if you have if you have enough money to spare, like you know 20 or more coins, basically you just bounce, just just go, bounce between the kid and the slot machine, and just just pump all your money into there. And with the character with higher luck, if if you get a little bit lucky. You will end up with way, way more hearts than you need – like way more hearts than you could possibly need to actually be at full health. And so then you just go over to the machine that that gives you money in exchange for health and you just bam, 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 bang into it until you're almost dead. Go refill all your health with all the new hearts you have from those other machines and just keep bouncing between these three machines basically until you have all the money you could ever want. Uh, and, you know – Obviously, because it's Binding of Isaac, there's complete possibility that the very first time you touch the little kid, he'll just disappear and this won't work or anything. But if you're using Kane, I think it's Kane, the character with higher luck, I, I would say at least half the time this will totally – This scheme that yeah. you put together? No, totally. I played this game enough that I, this is like a very well understood uh, system of interactions for me. And I mean, that's this week
0: in tips and tricks. That's a sweet trick. I like that you played the game so much that you figured out, like, this game crawled up inside you. And like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, it really, <laughs> it's really, really fascinating yeah, 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 to yeah, me because it really it's so did. outside of like what I know to be. Y- about you like i just can't imagine you sitting <laughs> there being I like oh wait, i can, just, it, I can just do this i can <laughs> wait i can just get coins from this guy give this guy i can just oh,
2: no. well that's the thing it's not that though that's the thing it's because i played the game so much that it was just over time like found myself in a room, like hit the guy a few times, Really makes oh, it even funnier
0: hearts. to me. Just the idea of watching like a stop, like a time lapse of you yeah. in front of this game over hours and hours and hours and yeah. hours, becoming a different person than I know. It's yeah, so funny to me. Somewhere there there's is like,
1: like a poignant YouTube video of Piano just going, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's just Chris.
2: What, the sun going up and down? Yeah, the machine pays out more and
1: more until there's just... Cain uh, running around in a room just pushing unused hearts all over the place and then <laughs> catching into the slot machine. Chris's yeah. eyes just sinking further and further back. Hair grows, gets cut, grows again, gets cut.
2: <laughs> uh, I should have done that. I should have taken one picture every day while playing Binding of Isaac and then turned it into a super poignant YouTube video. Yep. Oh, man.
0: Because if somebody said like, okay, it's, you know, this anytime, random time of the day, what's Chris doing right now? I'm like, Chris is sitting on public transit reading a hardback novel probably by an author I'm going to pretend to have heard of. That's like <laughs> you know, but then it's like, no, nine times out of ten, it was you like <laughs> like, like in like a stained t-shirt. It was Chris like, destroying piles them. of poo with his tears. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's really funny to me. Well and
2: part of the reason I, I I I told that little story is because You mean on tips and tricks? Well part of the reason I shared that that pro tip and trick um <laughs> with our with the hardcore gamers audience is because the FTL, obviously, is not nearly as extreme a game as Binding of Isaac in, like, any way. Fictionally, you know, the way the game rolls, like, not, none of it is as just off the walls as Binding of Isaac. But there is something about that kind of game, the sort of roguelike-like, you know, which is, like, one more generation oh, like, uh, away from roguelikes but still shared DNA.
1: Like Indiana Jones and his desktop adventures? Yes, and or Yoda stories those are actually roguelike likes which is weird but anyway
2: <laughs> yeah um, before before that was the like yeah the like 15 frames. years before that was a yeah. thing to do anyway um but uh, the, the those games are ultimate they basically are slot machines even something like FTL which mm-hmm. is much more yeah, 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 yeah. and operates in a much tighter possibility space than binding of Isaac does it still is the case that you can you can start that game and like four jumps in you've like man my crew is like full already i've got an extra weapon my ship's Hasn't taken a dent yet. This is going to be a good, and you can just tell this is going to be a good run. You know, you, there are those. Well, and then three sectors later, you so you're on Into the sun or whatever. Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but you um, fall so fast. It's just, yeah. yeah, it is very. I mean, yeah. This it's only talking about slot machine stuff. Do you know the website Quora, the just the big the QA website? Yeah, uh-huh. Did you guys read the one about crane games? Yeah, that was fascinating. Oh no, I didn't read it, but I, I saw yeah. it. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. crazy. Someone was like, How why do crane games work the way that they do? Then someone was like, funny you should ask. Actually, they're just games of chance, entirely, couches games mm-hmm. of skill. Like crane games have a, they the operating manual for them just like out and out says To program this so that the claw has weak grip, do this. Then make sure that it has strong grip. Like, what are the odds that you want for when the thing is actually physically capable of picking something up versus when it just kind of gums it and drops it? And and then it's it's like how many seconds of strong grip do you want before it switches to weak grips? Like, claw games are just actually set up to create the thing that everyone's like, why am I so bad at this? Why does it pick up the teddy bear then drop it? The answer is the fucking operator looked in the manual for how to set it up to just yep. drop your fucking was stuff. like, well, I
2: think one out of 80 times this yeah. will be strong that's enough incredible. to work for three yeah, Incredible
1: I, I, uh, I have a friend. I wanna she doesn't listen to the
0: cast. Like, I'm yeah. so, like But she thinks she's good at these things. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Stephanie... We're, I, you're not listening, and you're a good friend of mine, but you're not good at these apparently. <laughs> one time, oh my gosh, we were in a bar in Hollywood, and she caught a lobster in one, like a live lobster. You put two dollars in, and there was a, 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 a bed of live lobsters in so water. that's probably legitimate, though, because what
2: are they going to do with a bunch of lobsters? Like at the end of the day, they've got to get rid of those lobsters, right? No, 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 no. This is one that just like it's aerated, like going to Red Lobster, and their lobsters. No, I know. So my point is, that's probably not engineered to make you fail all the time.
0: I don't know. It was
2: $2, and that's she like, caught one on the first time. Lobsters are an expensive thing to just set up a fake. Th- I mean, that just seems like a, that would be a weird thing to do.
0: It's there was a lot of people pumping money into this thing, and Stephanie walked up. There's and a lot, lot of people caught, pumping money into those lobsters. Just caught a lobster, and then we, they cooked it for us, and we wow. ate it. that's awesome.
1: Yeah, maybe anyway, crane sorry. games. Don't, maybe there's some that have microphones that wait to hear the sound of a girl's voice saying, "Oh, I'm good at these," and then it like, and then it makes sure that that <laughs> person actually gets something. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, it'll make sure that, that, that those people don't get fully shamed. Yeah. anyone who comes up goes, "Oh, I know how these work. I'm good at this." Like, okay, regular claw strength activated, mega strength that actually just crushes the lobster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm too good. Yeah, That's that was a, yeah. How are they, I mean? To, I interrupted your point, but. Yeah, that was basically it. I mean, It 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 does does make me curious
1: how – I'm sure there's a million laws about that because there are like the kinds of slot machines where you can kind of program little bits in ahead of time that then add a tiny element of skill, I think, which makes it shadowy legal in some places. But like a crane game, you still have to guide the crane and pick it up. Are crane games even regulated though? No, but w- I doubt it. wouldn't you think that a crane game would potentially be regulated the same way as a slot machine when it literally is just like – Yeah, but like... I don't think they actually are. Yeah. I mean, but I, I want – it makes me wonder if people know that the way crane games actually work is it just decides well, no, whether or not you're don't, or they wouldn't winning. work. Yeah. People it's so crazy. If it was
2: common knowledge, they wouldn't.
1: I yeah. Mean, oh but this is why you listen to Idle Thumbs. You get those video game tips oh, yeah. and tricks. Tips you get the tricks. crane game yeah. tips and tricks. The, one of the tips is don't play crane games because they are <laughs> programmed to, in fact, cheat you out of your money physically. Um, but that was that was a crazy thing to have read. Yeah. We got all. Are the you best crane? i you gonna put crane games on the games, yeah, games discussed. Crane. <laughs> and- <laughs> I should actually just look up, like, five popular models of those games. Like <laughs> crane, Crazy Crane, Crane Game 2000, you know, Catch em Crane, Crane Game. That's probably what they're called. True. I'm patenting this. Do you now.
0: want to take a break while you look
1: up names yeah, of Crane let's Games? Let's take a break anyway. Okay, cool. I'm not looking those up.
0: Video games. I have to seriously just wake Jacob at four in the morning and like just with a knife and just some some something horrific, just so I can see him cry and just go. Now we're even. Yeah. Okay. 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 Oh,
2: okay.
0: okay. All right. Okay. Greg Brown. <laughs> what? It's not. It's actually Nancy Pelosi sent it in, right? Not Greg Brown. <laughs> How'd I do? That was really good. John Boehner writes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like what is this <laughs> claire mccaskill says <laughs> what oh sorry sorry those emails were in fact from greg brown pat Bocher, uh roadie from the forums and this guy with uh, president, <laughs> president barack obama <laughs> <laughs> and mario Video games. greg brown
2: writes hi guys with polygon launching in the near future do you guys think it's possible to be a gaming site of record uh without being captured by the industry it seems, in order to gain the access for complete coverage, most sites have willingly played by studio and publisher rules, becoming just a part of the another part of the media rollout for any new game.
1: Thanks, Greg Brown. What do you think about that, Chris? Uh, I want Chris to start because you actually have had this job. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a strong, like the
2: the games industry exerts a really, really strong force, Go, you know,
0: pulling you towards that. It's it's crazy how strong it is. Um, it's as strong as a glass. Tommy gun full of tequila. True. Remember that?
2: That was a really obscure reference. That took me a second.
0: Oh, you, you got one of those. From yes. The game publisher. Yes. Maybe uh, me want to say good things about the game. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's less
2: that it's an individual thing where you feel personally compelled to say a bunch of positive things about games all the time. I don't think it's that it's more that you can't run a game site and not cover every press release and write up every menial thing and go to every preview that you can like you just can't as an as an aggregate staff, you
1: can't you not can't, do any of those things. You can't avoid it if you want to stay competitive yeah, with because everyone else.
2: Everybody else is going to. Like there's no way to put the toothpaste back in the tube. Like that that's already what you need to do just as the baseline. And then hopefully on top of that, you can also provide interesting original content and this
0: and that. Like it's really it's kind of horrible. Um and it's uh is there I, a media model that you think the like the game industry press should at least look at for when it comes to like making getting sources and having relationships with the people who make the yeah, content well, and having an opinion? Yeah. Or- I mean,
2: I'm pretty far removed from it at this point. You know, I mean, it's been a while since I yes. was dealing with that stuff, so I I'm sure the realities are even more different now than I than I would have assumed, but right. I mean, yeah, you should try to adhere basically to, you know, basic journalistic standards. I mean, you should try to confirm things. You sh- you should try to get multiple corroborations you should try and there are people who do that but right. i mean it's yeah it's hard though because the it, the truth is that the single factor above every single other factor that determines whose version of a story gets the most hits is speed and that's it
0: period right like that's it, it there, game. Mean, sorry yeah, no, i guess i have lot so many questions do game journalists actually like establish credible sources and like try to get quotes off the record and try to actually dig up news I yeah, don't feel like, are, really? Because I never feel like they do. It's the problem. There are. I definitely personally
2: know no game journalists who absolutely do, um, and it's tough to establish that because then commenters just go, no, more anonymous sources, bullshit." Say some real news, which means officially confirmed news. I mean that that response happens all the time, and it's infuriating. Because
0: do you think it'd be better, easier to be a publication of record without inline reader comments
2: oh absolutely okay it would I be i mean it would be easier no one's going to do it but but yeah i mean it would probably be beneficial to the quality of reporting i mean it's when you're there's there's a there's a um i saw a really interesting i, I forget r- r- tell me if if you remember me talking about this on offense for because i may have but there was an interesting um editorial i read a while back and it wasn't about games i didn't have anything to do with games but it was a political editorial and it was about how the weird media like landscape in which we live has affected partisanship and i mean this has been commented on lots of times with respect to like the need for a 24-hour news cycle which is just fill it with opinion fill it with whatever like that's been commented on a lot and i think it's also true but there's also a separate thing which is the notion of instant feedback is really, really affects the quality and the tenor of reporting and commentary. Because if every single time you're putting something up, you're instantly getting a bunch of knee-jack, knee-jerk, knee-jack, knee-jerk responses from people who have a certain – who like if you're a political – if you're on like a – for example, a, a cable news network – The kind of instant feedback you get on Twitter and via email and from people calling your station and from like every possible, I mean, people read Twitter responses on the news now just as part of what, you know, I mean, things like that. When you're getting all that feedback constantly, especially if you're from, if you're working for a publication that tends to be allied or tends to sympathize more to a certain point of view, you know, one direction or the other, you're going to, it's really hard to be out there and and broadcasting or writing into that space where you're getting all that feedback without wanting to appeal to it because there's and I and I and I know this having obviously written uh, the things I wrote about in the game press obviously were less important than like the the things that go on in the political stage of the world like obviously but people's opinions on those things were no less intense <clears throat> exactly and it's really really difficult like when you write for a site that is read by millions of people and when you write something, you just instantly – like a minute, less than a minute after publishing this thing that you – might have taken you weeks to source or to, or to think about and edit or, and to refine an opinion on or to, to corroborate. Like things that can take you anywhere from hours to weeks to compose and you put it out there and literally faster than someone could have possibly read the thing, there are articles of people instantly like agreeing or complaining loudly. There, it really affects you like it's hard to it's hard to not let that shape the way you do things whether it be wanting to uh, to get the approval of those people or whether it is to get more outrageous because you find the best way to deal with it is just to just to soak it up or whether it be to mollify the just, just kind of subdue the things you say in the hopes that you won't get any extreme reaction these aren't conscious things. These right. are just long-term, slow processes that happen, and it's really hard to ignore. Like, how do you ignore thousands of other actual fellow human beings responding to the thing you write instantly, loudly, right. just in on mass? It's
0: it's a really, really difficult thing. When you look back at the work that you did at Gamma Sutra and Shack and stuff like that, do mm-hmm. you have do you see something where you're like, I let it get to me in that article? It's hard to say I
2: don't I don't know if I can think of individual cases I'm sure there w- there were but I can definitely I can definitely recall general states of mind you know like I thinking of like a particular article that's 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 hard at this point years removed right, of but, course. but um, I definitely went especially at Shack News which was my first paid uh, job as a writer um, that by Gama Sutra I feel like I would kind of
1: just lived by, in it for a Gama while. Gamasutra like, was just like the, you noticed that the bigger you made Bobby Kotick's face, the more sort of perturbed <laughs> yeah. the comments were. <laughs> right. So you continued <laughs> yeah. to make his face bigger.
2: But especially for the first couple of years at Shack News, it really affected me a lot. Like I, would, I remember if I think back now, I would go through these broad phases as a writer. Where I would write stuff that was much more opinionated and then I would write stuff that was much more kind of safe – and kind of objective and bland. And then I would write things, that, you know, like, and then we're in the middle. And I, would, I, would, I definitely was affected by it because it's hard not to be. And I assume if you're writing for a site like Kotaku, which is orders of magnitude bigger than any site I've ever written for, um, I can imagine you've got to either just totally tune it out or you just end up writing exactly what your audience wants. Because you hear from them constantly. And how do you not, as a writer who is writing things to be read – how how do you not, how are you not influenced by that? It would, I can't imagine. It's that. it's funny
1: that we're only talking about this in the context right now of the audience, uh, whereas Greg's question was about publishers. But I think that all that stuff is cyclical because I think the audience at this point
0: more or less yeah. wants to well, go to your site. Yeah, I was going to yeah, ask yeah. you even another question and see what was even further. Sorry, removed. For taking so long. On oh, that no, 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 no. I'm I'm stoking this fire because I'm really really curious about that stuff. So. Um. You know, what, this is if I keep asking you questions, it's quickly just going to become the like Chris's career as a writer retrospective, <laughs> which is something I wouldn't mind doing if we could get like yeah, well, you and whatever. Nick and right now, but yeah, I think maybe even Evan, who's currently doing it, all in the same cast or something. I would I would find that fascinating because there's especially there was writing that was game writing, I think, done by you guys, like in very specific instances that was like fantastic. That was just like really good work, and it's like I would point to some of the things that. Uh, you and Nick especially have written, to say, wow, if that was the baseline for uh, something,
1: like for any outlet that exists right now, I would probably read a lot of that stuff. You would (laughs) read Nick Brecken as embedded journalist in EVE Online? Yeah. Yeah. That is some of the best... It really is not of the even best game, game writing. writing, just I, wonder writing. If that, I wonder if that article is still of the best on show. I have it. That. I
0: saved it. Oh, good. Yeah, and I found it, and then Nick sent me another version of it that like he had. formatted version. Yeah. So it's sitting in my email oh, somewhere. Yeah. All
1: That's I was fantastic. going to say is you were talking about writing to the audience into sort of what they want, but I think that the audience that reads gaming sites often, like, they, they'll want your opinion in a review and kind of just to hear exactly what they're being asked to listen to by the people who are making games. Like when you said people will put stuff up from an anonymous source or they'll get real information. If the first comment is then loudly asking for a confirmation from, from a publisher, like, right. okay, then what's the, what's the point of yeah, actually I mean, a, so investigating anything?
0: Uh, uh, calm. Mm. It's so funny because it, it instantly <laughs> does. melts into his chair because there's no way to have, I mean, I'm just reiterating your point and, but I think maybe we're, we're looking at it wrong. Maybe but there's no way to have the conversation without saying like, what do the, what do the people who read these sites want? You know? And I think that gets sort of like distilled down to a really sort of like self-fulfilling. Well, like, that's, yeah, that's, a,
1: that's a crappy attitude to have anyway. It's yeah. like asking what do, what do gamers want when you're making
0: a game? Yeah. You should never yeah. fucking it's ask that question way, or you're an yeah. idiot. So it's I take just, it back. impossible entirely. to answer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, <clears throat> but I mean, it kind of boils down to the way that it's, we answered a question last week. Um, where I feel like my answer is very similar where it's Is it possible? I have to believe that it's possible. Like it's important for me just as in as a human being to believe yeah. that people can do well, this. And
2: I would look at I would look at a site like Rock Paper Shotgun as a really great example of a site that I mean they they do, do a lot of just this sort of rote stuff, but they they seem to adopt the proper tone. At least most of the time for me. Um, they seem to recognize how silly a lot of the just Post this thing from press release is thing, but they're not they're not usually like super snarky and acerbic about it. Mm -hmm. Like they seem to strike a really good tone of just realism and good humor that I appreciate. Like it's not cartoonish, uh, but it's also not just nothing. Right. Um, I really I really appreciate that site.
0: Thanks, Greg. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: Brown. Yeah. Thanks, Greg Brown. Robert Simmons writes, hey, Thumbs. Listening to you talk about astronauts' views of the Earth just made my day. Childlike wonder is cliched, but I could hear it when you talked about your views of when you talked about views of Earth from space. My job is to create pictures of Earth with NASA satellite data, and sometimes it feels like people oh, yeah. just don't get it. You do, thanks, Rob Simmon, Manresa on the forums. P.S. Sir, here's some links you might enjoy, and then he has links to uh, every astronaut photograph ever taken of Earth's full disc and time-lapse photos of Earth from the space station, many at night. Uh, so, we should probably put those in the blog. So that's really yeah, reason I rad. read this
0: email, so we remember to put this in the blog.
1: Got to include the mandatory space segment yeah, in every episode yeah. of Battle Thumbs.
0: Did you see that post about why there aren't any good pictures of Neil Armstrong on yeah. the moon? Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that was really good. So good. The fact that Neil Armstrong just chopped Buzz Aldrin's head off in one of those photos. <laughs> yeah, like, and then NASA that NASA had that to read. Really that dramatic.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he, there's that picture that did just you guys cuts hear off. About how, he how
0: decapitated Buzz yeah. Aldrin?
1: Yeah, and then NASA had to Photoshop, or they airbrushed a new Buzz Aldrin head onto him. And then he was executed like three days ago?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, for killing Buzz Aldrin. Well, yeah, I mean, but that, on he, the
1: moon. Buzz that's Aldrin's yeah. head is still on the moon. That's, that's why I so you know that I think Buzz aldrin has been yeah. there. So you know that America's been there? If Buzz Aldrin's head but on a pike? What's weird is that his hair
0: never waves in the wind. <laughs> oh, that's that was made on a soundstage in Nevada. That's, yeah, exactly. Clearly. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for that that it, it's really crazy to me when we find out that people actually have jobs that touch yep. uh, such like important things. <laughs> That's the main reason I read this. That's, That's really the cool. Have oh, jobs it's a guy who does a cool the moon. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and we obviously have a ton of revelry for that stuff and it is a super bummer that Neil Armstrong, uh, died and, uh, he spoke at either my commencement or my girlfriend's commencement in college. She was a year ahead of me but I saw him speak. You don't know. (laughs) I I just can't remember. One of us had the mayor of Los Angeles and one of us had Neil Armstrong. That's right. And I was at both within the same 12-month period and I can't remember. That's a, a, like, one of us had the mayor of LA and one of us had Neil Armstrong. I know. Fucking bullshit, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, He spoke for, like, 25 minutes and never mentioned the moon once. Did
1: he at least close it with
0: PS Moon and then, like, drop the mic? (laughs) He's like, anyway, uh, go forth and uh, enjoy your adulthood. And then... I was on the moon. I was on the moon. right, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had, had the moon actually on his back. <laughs>
1: he turned around tapes. and walked away and then you just saw yeah, a big picture of the moon. <laughs> In yeah. your
0: lives,
2: after graduating from this fine university, you will go on to do great things, no doubt, and use the skills you have learned in these hallowed halls, but you'll probably never go to the moon. Buzz Aldrin, out.
1: <laughs> Buzz Aldrin? I uh, mean, I mean, uh, I mean, the, uh, I mean Armstrong. Armstrong. uh, Aldrin is Armstrong. Forget I said anything. Armstrong <laughs> he <just disappears>. is. <laughs> Jetpack's jet out of there to the moon. To the moon. <laughs> Where he lives yeah. with Buzz Aldrin's frozen <laughs> head.
2: <laughs> it doesn't need to be frozen. It just sits on the moon. It's cold out there. It's cold there, It's cold though. in space. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: You know, in space, no one can hear Buzz Aldrin's severed head scream. <laughs> <laughs> Just didn't know if you knew In that. space, no one can hear uh, uh,
2: Armstrong's weird, endless uh, midnight rantings to Buzz Aldrin's severed head. Except for the guys in Mission Control. Because his mic still really works. really tired of it.
0: Incisive casts and contrast. I'm sorry, Mr. Cast. Armstrong. This video game.
1: It's August 29th, 2012, and join us at PAX for Idle Thumbs Podcast Live, Rising, a tribute to fallen astronaut Neil Armstrong, Friday, August 31st at 10.30 a.m. in the Pegasus Theater at the Sheridan Hotel, third floor in Seattle. This is...
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, but we can cut that. We don't have yeah. to it. That was amazing.
1: Good job. <laughs> Seattle, Washington. <laughs> United States, Earth, (laughs) near the moon. (laughs) Space. Space. (laughs) God. Oh, man, maybe that's... In Seattle, Washington, America, Earth, space. (laughs) What has happened to this podcast in the past 45 seconds? Got good, finally.